Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware. We have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit. But frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Ellen, and tied up next to me is my co-host Katie. We have a lot of recording to do today, so she's stuck here until we're done. Fine, I'll take the gag off, but only because I need you to be able to talk. Oh, but I liked that part. (laughs) Fine, well, since I can talk, I guess I'll go right into the rolling rehash. Last week, we discussed Chapter 2, Dobby's Warning, and its corresponding film scenes. We forced mental images of the Dursleys getting biblical out of our heads by focusing on how adorable Dobby is. However... Dobby is also kind of an asshole. Therefore, Dobby is a toddler. Also probably a felon, considering tampering with the mail is a federal offense. And if you ask Mrs. Mason, so is plopping pudding on a tailor-made suit. And if you ask Harry, so is framing someone for plopping pudding on a tailor-made suit. And if you ask CPS, so is barring a child's windows for plopping pudding on a tailor-made suit. But if you ask us, tailor-made suits be damned, the real offense is channeling William Shatner when acting opposite a CGI house elf. During episode 20, all these witches crawl, our Potter ponderings were, what do you think about how Harry treats Dobby and his goodness? Also, since we know the Dursleys really care about appearing normal, how do you think they would have explained the bars they put on Harry's window? Quincy says when you are constantly immersed in bad and darkness, any act of kindness will seem like the ultimate act of good. Though his true goodness does shine through in the end. Yeah, and along those same lines, Pauline pointed out that Dobby wasn't used to being treated like anything other than vermin. Steve points out that Harry Potter is a good person. He says, I mean, any wizarding family could be considered good compared to the family that Dobby lives with. Yeah. As for the bars on Harry's window, Regan lives in South Africa and says they have bars on all their windows. Almost everyone does, so it really isn't a big deal. It's just for extra security. Though, that is usually on the first floor, unless there's something that makes the second floor easier to access. However, Gav responded and pointed out that bars aren't normal in the UK. Danielle thinks they would have continued on the idea that Harry was mentally disturbed and say the bars are for his own protection. Quincy points out that they could let the neighbors think he was a flight risk as well, and the bars are to keep him from running away from home, which is definitely not what they are for, but not for the reasons the neighbors think. The general consensus is that they just painted Harry to be mental, and I think this is pretty interesting. It very well could have been the bars on the window alerting the neighbors to something strange going on with Harry that makes the Dursleys start the rumors about Harry's troubled youth that eventually lead to them telling people he goes to a correctional school. Which we will talk more about later. Yep. Our trivia question last week was, what office does Arthur Weasley work at in the ministry? Arthur, very ironically, works in the Misuse of Muggle Artifacts office. He gets to write the laws himself. That allows him to misuse, er, tinker (laughs) with muggle objects without technically breaking any laws. And congratulations goes to Quincy, who rolled back in with an I'm back, witches, to beat Dave by an entire four minutes. Well done, Quincy. (laughs) It's kind of fun seeing him come back. Yeah. 
But I bet Dave's a little bit sad that he didn't get to go past a three-week streak. Right. Quincy couldn't let that happen. Just got to start over again, Dave. Yep, keep, keep it coming. Just keep, keep rolling. rolling. Ah. We did a thing. What I really love, though, is that even though Quincy interrupted Dave's streak well before he could catch up to his own, the two are both very supportive of one another, and all their banter is in just good fun. Right? And this really is good fun. It is. With that being said, we're going to keep on rolling right into Chapter 3, The Burrow, and the corresponding film scenes. Chapter 3, The Burrow. Harry opens his window to talk to Ron through the bars, and his mouth drops open as he realizes that Ron is sitting in the back seat of a turquoise car that is parked in midair. Fred and George Weasley are sitting in the front seat. Ron wonders why he hasn't been answering any of his letters and says that his dad came home from work at the ministry and said that Harry had been sent an official letter for doing underage magic. Harry tries to explain that it wasn't him, but feels like it will take too long to explain and asks the Weasleys to let them know at Hogwarts that he's locked up. Ron cuts him off and lets him know that they have come to take Harry with them. They tie a rope around the bars and use the car to pull them off the window. Fred and George climb from the car into Harry's bedroom and use a hairpin to pick the lock so they can go downstairs and get Harry's stuff out from the cupboard under the stairs. They heave it all back upstairs and load it into the car, followed by Harry, who almost forgets Hedwig. She makes a loud screeching sound that wakes up Uncle Vernon, who rushes to Harry's room and arrives just in time to see Harry climbing into the car. He tries to grab a hold of Harry, but Ron, Fred, and George all grab him too and tug him from Vernon's grasp. Fred stomps on the gas and the car flies off into the night, freeing Harry from Privet Drive. He calls, see you next summer, back at the Dursleys, and then they let Hedwig out to fly behind them. As they fly toward the Weasleys' house, Harry tells them all about Dobby, the warning about danger at Hogwarts, and the fiasco with the pudding. The twins find the situation very strange and think it could have been a joke to stop Harry from going back to Hogwarts. Harry immediately thinks that it could be Draco Malfoy, and the twins mention that they heard their dad talking about how Lucius Malfoy was a big supporter of you-know-who, who pretended he never meant any of it once he disappeared. They also point out that it very well could be Malfoy who sent Dobby to him, since they are an old wizarding family and those are the ones who usually own house elves. They continue the flight and talk about Harry not receiving the letters, that Mr. Weasley works at the misuse of muggle artifacts, but still enchanted the car and other things, and that he doesn't know that they took it to get Harry. They are hoping to get home before their dad gets back from work and their mother wakes up. As dawn begins to break, they arrive in Ottery St. Catchpool, the village the Weasley's house is just outside of. They land in front of the burrow, a tall and lopsided house that looks as though it's being held up with magic. The four of them try to sneak inside, but Mrs. Weasley is already awake and furious that they took the car. She begins shouting, telling them off for making her worry and doing something so risky until she was hoarse. She then turns to Harry and kindly offers him breakfast, and he nervously follows her inside the first wizard house he has ever been in. There are magical books, a magical clock, and even the radio was playing music from the popular singing sorceress, Celestina Warbeck. While they are eating breakfast, a little red-headed girl in a nightgown comes into the kitchen, sees Harry, and runs back out. Ron explains that she is his sister Jenny, who had been talking about Harry Potter all summer. They all finish up breakfast, and Fred mentions wanting to head to bed, but Mrs. Weasley makes them denome the garden instead. 
She starts to reference a book by Gilderoy Lockhart, but George insists that they know how to do it already, and Fred jokes that she fancies him. Gnomes are small and leathery looking, with a bald head like a potato. Ron shows Harry how to swing it around like a lasso and throws it into a field. The four boys continue denoming the garden, and then Mr. Weasley arrives home from covering nine raids, talking about the crazy things that the wizards have taken to enchanting when Molly interrupts him saying, like cars? She informs him that the twins and Ron flew the car to get Harry, and Mr. Weasley was initially very excited until a look from his wife reminded him to half-heartedly scold them. The two end up in an argument, and Harry and Ron go upstairs to Ron's room to avoid it. They pass Ginny's room on the way, and she peeks out of the door at them before closing it again. They get to Ron's room, which is full of magical games, toys, and books. Ron is nervous what Harry will think, and Harry says it is the best house he has ever been in. In the movie, Ron, Fred, and George are all in the blue car, parked in mid-air outside Harry's bedroom. Harry asks them what they are doing there, and Ron explains that they have come to rescue him. Harry gets his stuff all packed, and the Weasley trio attaches a chain to the bars and accelerates to pull them off the window. The clatter wakes the Dursleys, and Harry must rush to load his belongings into the car. As Vernon hurries to unlock all the locks he had installed on Harry's door, Harry passes Hedwig to Ron. Vernon gets the door open and runs across the room, managing to grab Harry's ankle as he tries to jump into the car. Ron grabs a hold of Harry and yells for them to drive. One of the twins forces the car into gear and hits the gas, causing Vernon to let go of Harry as he is pulled out of the window. Vernon falls into the bushes, causing Petunia and Dudley to panic. The car flies off, leaving a dumbfounded Vernon gaping at it from the ground. Ron wishes Harry a happy birthday as they fly off into the night. The horizon changes from town lights at night to the countryside in the morning. The car approaches and roughly lands in front of a lopsided, multi-story house. The four boys sneak inside and Harry is amazed to see many magical things, including a pan washing itself, an enchanted clock, and a self-knitting afghan. His awe is interrupted when Mrs. Weasley comes into the room, demanding to know where they have been. She greets Harry, then goes back to yelling at her sons. Ron tries to explain that they were starving him and there were bars on his window. She threatens Ron with bars on his window, but then kindly offers Harry breakfast. As they are all sitting down to eat, a red-headed girl enters looking for her jumper. She sees Harry and freezes before running from the room. Harry wonders what he did, and Ron explains that it was his sister, Ginny, who had annoyingly been talking about Harry all summer. Mr. Weasley arrives home, joins them at the table, and then notices Harry. He asks him who he is, and Harry introduces himself. Mr. Weasley wonders when he arrived, and Mrs. Weasley tells him this morning that his sons flew that enchanted car to Surrey and back last night. Mr. Weasley is initially very excited and wonders how it went, before being smacked by his wife. He corrects himself, telling them that it was very wrong indeed. Changing the subject, he turns to Harry and asks him to explain the function of a rubber duck. But Harry isn't quite sure how to answer that. This chapter and corresponding section of the film is yet another example of minor changes and omitted details due to streamlining. Yeah, both start out with Harry waking up and fighting Ron and the twins floating in a car outside his window. Though in the movie, Ron wishes Harry a happy birthday, and as we already discussed in the first episode covering Chamber of Secrets, in the book it was the same day as the Masons arrived. Yeah, unless Vernon fitted those bars to Harry's window immediately after the Masons left, 
and the Weasley trio showed up that very same night, his birthday does not line up with the book. Mm -hmm. We also do know from the book that Harry was locked in his room, only allowed out twice a day to use the bathroom, for three days before the Weasley brigade showed up. That's sanitary. <laughs> the movie definitely made it seem shorter than that. I mean, I don't know that it happened all in one night, but they didn't really give an indication of multiple days passing. It did seem to at least happen on the same night Bag Vassals puts the bars on Harry's window. Yeah, and in addition to that, the book had a lot more details about Harry's extraction than included in the movie. Ron wants to know why Harry hasn't answered any of his letters and asks him why he did magic outside of school. It doesn't even occur to Harry that they are planning to rescue him, and he tells them to send word to Hogwarts that he's locked up. Seriously, Harry? Like, what What the actual fuck do you think Ron and the twins are doing there? Like, just to wave at you through the right. window? Hey, sorry you're locked up. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> no, Ron cuts him off to let him know that they're going to get him out, mm -hmm. and they tie a rope around the bars and use it to pull them off the window. Yeah, this basically happens in the movie, too, except they use a chain. The clatter wakes the Dursleys, and Harry has to rush to get all his belongings in the car before Vernon can unlock all the locks on his door to stop him from escaping. Yeah, and this significantly streamlines how it happened in the book. The Dursleys don't wake at this point, and all of Harry's belongings are locked in the cupboard under the stairs. So the Weasley twins climb into his room through the window and use a hairpin to pick the lock and go fetch Harry's stuff. So obviously there weren't all the extra locks on that are just the, just the normal one. Right. Just regular one. Yeah. And then they manage to get almost everything loaded into the car and Harry starts to climb in himself when Hedwig gives a very loud squawk because Harry damn near left her behind. <laughs> I actually like how the movie did this better. Like I have a hard time believing that Harry would have forgotten Hedwig. I mean, yeah. like why wouldn't he have passed her to Ron while the twins were getting his trunk? Seriously, did he just... Stand there twiddling his thumbs while Fred and George fetched his things. Right. But it's Hedwig's screech that wakes the Dursleys. And since Harry's door is already unlocked, Bag of Assholes bursts into the room and manages to grab Harry's foot, but loses his grip when the Weasleys get a good grip on him too and accelerate away in the car. That's a lot of grips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Honestly, the movie did this part way better, though. I mean, it was similar but instead of simply losing his grip, Bag of Assholes completely falls out the window as the Weasleys fly away. Which was very satisfying to watch. Though, you don't even like Harry anyway. Maybe let go of his legs before you go ass over apple cart <laughs> out the window, Vernon. Ass over apple cart. Nice. That's a fun throwback to when Backpack of Assholes toppled into the snake enclosure. Right. I love it, but I also agree. It was hilarious to watch and definitely makes more sense for a movie. It's far more visually comedic. Mm -hmm. Though the book does have Harry yell, see you next summer, which is also pretty funny. Yeah, but not as funny. Also, I want to know how the neighbors weren't woken up by all this. For reals, that's totally unbelievable. I'd buy a flying car before I'd believe half the neighbors weren't watching all this from their windows. <laughs> Yes, because that's the part we have trouble with. <laughs> uh -huh. Anyways, as Harry, Ron, Fred, and George head towards the Weasleys' house, Harry fills them in on everything that happened, and they end up speculating that it could have been Nazi von Douchebag II, who sent his house elf as a prank to stop Harry from returning to Hogwarts. 
And they are likely to have a house elf because it's typically the wealthy old wizard families that do. Mm. They also talk about how the Von Douchebags were big supporters of you-know-who. This conversation doesn't happen in the movie at all. No. Uh, most likely because there's no need to give a verbal recap on what we just watched happen. So instead, they just streamlined it into transitioning to their arrival at the burrow. That is true, though I wish there was a way to include the theory that Malfoy sent Dobby, since it is sort of foreshadowing that they think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is also where we learned that Arthur Weasley works at the Misuse of Muggle Artifacts office in the Ministry. Which was our trivia question. Indeed. They also discussed their plan for sneaking into the burrow without their mother knowing, and then having Ron bring Harry down after everyone was awake and saying, look who turned up in the night. Which, brilliant plan, boys. Like Molly wouldn't immediately begin asking a bunch of questions, starting with, I don't know, how did he get here? Right? <laughs> Not that it mattered anyway, since they arrive in Ottery St. Catchpool just before dawn, and when they try to sneak into the house undetected, they are instead greeted by a furious Mrs. Weasley at the door. Mm-hmm. In the movie, they actually do make it into the house, and I, I freaking love the burrow. Mm-hmm. The burrow, oh my god. I just love it. Harry gets to see a lot of amazing magical things happening, like a magical clock that tells tells you where all the people who yeah, live in the house are. Yeah, it shows them, like, yeah. arriving back home. Yeah, I love it. Uh, self-knitting afghan, which, that would be great. And a pan washing itself. And that might be my favorite. Like, damn, do I want dishes that wash themselves? Who doesn't? Right? Plus, if we had self-knitting needles, our Harry Potter scarves would be finished so much faster. Yeah. I swear, yours is almost done, Justin. I swear. And Katie's making really good progress on yours, too, Quincy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get them to you in time for, I don't know, for summer, maybe? Hopefully. <laughs> but let's just... For sure, before next winter. Yeah. Let's just keep rolling, though. I think this part was way better to see than to read about. Like, I love the little touch of the boys sneaking some bread from the table and saying, oh yeah, mom will never know. And then Mrs. Weasley intercepts them. And oh, does she intercept them. Like, (laughs) oh God. (laughs) Yeah, I completely agree with you. Because seeing Julie Walters bring Molly Weasley alive in this scene and so many more, Mm -hmm. it just can't be topped by the books. Yeah. And we'll talk more about her at the end of this section with the other actors, but yeah, she is just amazing. Where have you been? I love it. Oh my god. Now, difference-wise, the book not only has this telling off happening before they can even sneak into the house, it also has her go on longer before turning to Harry and completely switching up her tone to invite him in. Harry flinches when she's addressing him and nervously follows her inside. We then get a description of the magical things that Harry encounters, but it's not the same as seeing it, like in the movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the movie has her going back and forth between lecturing Ron, Fred, and George, and then kindly speaking to Harry. Like, one of my favorite parts is when Ron tells her that they were starving him and there were bars on his window. And Molly's just like, well, you best hope I don't put bars on your window, Ronald Ronald Weasley. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's amazing. (laughs) And definitely one of those times that I don't mind a change from the book to the film. Definitely. 
I mean, and then everyone sits down for breakfast, except for Ginny, who shows up looking for her jumper. Mommy, have you seen my jumper? Yes, dear. It was on the cat. Okay, side note. Do the Weasleys even have a cat? Wouldn't be a good idea with Wormtail walking around. Right. I don't think the books ever mention it, but let's just go ahead and say they do. What was the jumper doing on the cat? Was the cat wearing the jumper? Using it as a blanket? Building a circus tent to entertain the mice with a garden gnome riding unicycle? Ooh, lure the mice in before eating them. Seriously, though, I I would imagine, like, a blanket. Like, the cat was probably just taking a nap. But that would make it the cat's pajamas. Oh, goddammit. So, (laughs) anyway, that being said, Ginny's deer and headlights look when she sees Harry is fantastic. Yeah, she's so cute. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think it pretty much nailed the essence of the book, even if it was slightly different. There was no line about the jumper and the cat, because I don't think there was a cat. But they do mention in (laughs) both that Ginny had been talking about Harry nonstop all summer. Mm Mm-hmm. And then this is the point in the book where they finish up breakfast and Fred yawns and says he's tired and going to head to bed, but Mrs. Weasley makes them denome the garden instead. There was a lot of rhymes in there. There was. <laughs> Fred and head to bed and denome the garden instead. Yeah, right over there? Yeah. <laughs> I like rhymes. So, <laughs> anyways, she references one of Gilderoy Lockhart's books for advice. Which just annoys the twins, who insist they know how to denome a garden already. Yeah, this wasn't included in the movie, which does make me a little bit sad, since it would have been fun to see Molly moon over Gilderoy, and then have Fred joke about her fancying him. It's also a bit of fun foreshadowing for a character that we will soon meet and talk more about then. Yep. I was also sad when we didn't get to see the denoming. Because I think it would have been fun to watch them whirling around gnomes like lassos and competing to see who can throw them the farthest. But I get why they omitted it since it really isn't necessary to the storyline. Just some fun color. But this is also the point in the book that Mr. Weasley gets home from work. Truthfully, I think the movie streamlines this really well by having Arthur arrive home from work while they're still sitting down at breakfast. Plus, I love how he sits right down next to Harry. Like, honestly, if Harry had red hair, he would never have even noticed the extra kid at the table. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And who are you? Cousin Bonnie. (laughs) (laughs) Foreshadowing. (laughs) But this brings us to one of my favorite parts of this entire section between Molly and Arthur, when she informs him that the boys, minus responsible Percy, of course, flew his car to get Harry. Your sons flew that enchanted car of yours to Surrey and back last night. You know your kids are in trouble when they're referred to as your kids. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Plus, I love Arthur and his initially excited reaction. Did you really? How'd it go? Right. (laughs) Molly makes to smack him in the movie. And then his half-hearted that was very wrong, boys. Very wrong indeed. (laughs) In the book, this basically starts an argument between Mr. and Mrs. Weasley and Ron and Harry escape up to his room, which Ron is nervous about Harry's opinion of. And Harry thinks it's the best house he's ever been in, so he didn't have to be nervous. Which I'm sure we would all think that way, too. Probably. I'd love to go to the burrow. (laughs) Right? I want to move into the burrow. I want to build a couch fort in the corner and just, (laughs) that'll be my room. Just a little couch fort in the burrow. Let's just keep rolling. Let's just keep rolling. Sorry, that was a tangent. 
In the movie, Arthur just hastily changes the subject, asking Harry the function of a rubber duck. What exactly is the function of a rubber duck? Yeah, there's our Potter pondering. Perfect. This brings us to the end of our compare and contrast section, and on to some actors that we got to see for the first time in this film. Woohoo! Yep, aside from Arthur, these are all returning actors, but as we mentioned previously, we want to readdress their roles as we first see them, as especially with the kids, there are a lot of changes. Mostly in their voices. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Especially Ron. Who is the first one that we see? Rupert Grint as Ron Weasley. And again, he's adorable. He's doing very well. His voice is hilarious. Just the the squeaks and the... Uh-huh. <laughs> and he just harnesses those so well. We'll end up talking about that more mm-hmm. in future episodes. Yeah. I he didn't get to do a ton in this one. He had a couple of lines. But... Yeah, not in this episode. But he when he gets to really flex those vocal cords, it's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> We also saw James Phelps as Fred Weasley and Oliver Phelps as George Weasley. I love the twins. They're so perfect. Said it before, say it again. Love the twins. I, I'm Because of these two, I'm so bummed that we didn't get to see more of their shenanigans. Mm-hmm. Because, I spe- like, can you just imagine seeing Fred or seeing James as Fred teasing oh his mom about fancying Lockhart? Oh, God, I would love that. It would have been so perfect. So they just did I just wanted more time in the borough in yeah. general. But yeah. yeah it's... They did great, though. I love those, too. Yeah. We also saw, again, Julie Walters as Molly Weasley. And, of course, we already mentioned how much we love her. Life goals. Can I just say? Like, mom goals right there. And everything. Like, Ugh. this scene, it's some of her best lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Not I love, all of them, but some of them were just condensed into this scene. Yeah. And one of my favorite things was the way she goes back and forth between scolding Ron and and uh, Fred and George and then being like, Harry, dear, how lovely to see you. Like, just the change in her voice, that, that sharp turn. Right. To just go right, right from like... What the fuck are you guys doing? To, oh, Harry, oh, dear. Harry, it's so good to see you, sweetheart. Like, yeah. that's the mom I want to be. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like that's the teacher that I am. So yeah. <laughs> I get it. It's great. Exactly. We also saw Bonnie Wright return as Ginny Weasley. And now in this film, she's got a little bit more than a good luck line. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean... We're, we're still going to end up talking so much about how the movies did not do her justice no. as we go through this. But she did, like, her deer in headlights look. I mean, mm-hmm. she just she just nailed that. Like, she really was just like, oh, shit, my crush is here. Yeah. And you just read that all over her face. I had a big crush on my best friend's brother when I was around the age of 11 or so, 11 or 12. And I can, like, seeing her with that deer in headlights looks just takes me back. I'm like, oh, my God, I remember it's that. Just the, it's like that fight or flight or freeze. Yeah. But with situations like that, it's not quite the same thing. But, <laughs> like, you would freeze and then run, yes. probably. Whereas I'm the one that would see my crush and babble like an absolute idiot. And I feel like that's the, yeah. the fight part. <laughs> I'm the one that stammers and just, like, laughs at every single thing they say. <laughs> But yeah, you could just you could just read it in her face and yeah, and I like she does do a little bit more in this movie, but 
like I said, I don't think that the movies did her justice. Oh, not at all. As a character. Not at all. One new character that we met, though, is Arthur Weasley, played mm-hmm. by Mark Williams, who was... I oh. love him. God, he just... He was the epitome of Mr. Weasley. Yeah. I loved him. And I, he's been, again, like most of our adult actors, he's been in so many other things. Yeah. And he's just been wonderful. And I love seeing him in other things, too. Because he always brings Mr. Weasley right? into it to me. He and Julie Walters, too, had fantastic chemistry. Like, you could totally oh, believe that they'd been married forever. They did. Molly Weasley is mom goals, and Molly and Arthur Weasley is married marriage couple goals. goals. Yeah, marriage <laughs> goals for yeah. me. Because no. I just, I, I loved it. And even when she does that little swat on his arm, you know, when when he's not being as tough on the boys as he should be, even you can see, like, a little smirk coming from her. Right. So you know it's no, she still kind of loving. No, she did not look like she wanted to hurt him. She was yeah. just lovingly, like, exasperated with her husband. Yeah. And, and boy, I think you and I can both feel that. Oh, I felt that earlier today. <laughs> but I, I love that him, most days. So. <laughs> but yeah, so. But yeah, that was where I did, Actually, oh, I did want to comment on how, after he asks about the function of a rubber duck, there's something about the way he ate his food off of his fork that I just love, too. <laughs> I don't know why, but. Well, it's great that he's just, he's. He gets, like, so all business all of a sudden. Yeah. He's like, what exactly is the function of a rubber, rubber duck? duck? And then just, Harr. just In the book, he doesn't, I, that doesn't happen in the book, but he, in the book he asks about escalators or something. Yeah. Not in this not scene. Not nearly as fun. No, it's not. The, not nearly as fun. Much more random. Which that brings us to this week's Potter Pondering, as we said before, is how would you explain the function of a rubber duck to Mr. Weasley? How would you? Let us know. I, to- would, I would just go buy him one. And just be like... Now I'm imagining Mr. Weasley in the baths with a rubber duck, so thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> because that's the most amazing thought ever. When... Let's just keep rolling. <laughs> we had a giant inflatable duck for my daughter to take her bath in when she was littler. Aww. So now I'm just imagining Arthur Weasley in that, which is even funnier to me. Okay, but for some reason I just imagined one of the beer helmets on his head, too. <laughs> This got weird. Yeah, so let's just keep rolling for reals. Our Sorting Hat story today is shared by one of our patrons and our support badger, Carly Ferguson. Yay! She's already shared her story, but she really wanted to share her dad's. She writes, Hey, y'all. That's her Georgian is coming out of her. I wanted to share my dad's Sorting Hat story. His name is Tom Johnson. He's a Ravenclaw. His Patronus is a Jack Russell. And his wand is ashwood with a dragon heartstring core. The same as mine, but different length, 12 and a half inches. He says it all started with an interview on NPR. The year was 1999 and he was driving home while listening to NPR and heard them talking about this amazing new book series. Harry Potter had just released its third book, The Prisoner of Azkaban. Dad stopped on the way home to buy the book from Books A Million. He initially bought the third book and gave it to my sibling to read. I think I misremembered this part in my own Sorting Hat story. Then realized you can't start in the middle and decided to start with me from the beginning. While we were reading the second book, Dad said he felt an immediate connection to the Weasleys. I love that he made this connection because my grandmother was very much like Mrs. Weasley. My dad has six siblings, so in total their family makes nine, just like the Weasleys. Their house was big and was the central hangout house for all their friends and most of the people in their hometown. 
If someone was hungry, they could always count on my grandma to make them a meal. Dad loves Hermione and loves that she ended up with Ron. He bought the audiobooks for us on cassette. Wow. 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 <laughs> it's all caps. She put that in all caps. So on cassette. I think that deserves all yeah. caps. <laughs> So he could make sure he was properly pronouncing Hermione's name. He wasn't. Anyways, dad took us to all the midnight premieres and fed mine and my siblings love of Potter from the very beginning. It's definitely a connection point for all three of us. I loved getting to talk to dad and ask him about his sorting story. I never really thought of his family like the Weasleys and I love, love, love that connection. I love, love, love that Sorting Cat story. I love, love, love Carly. And now I love, love, love Carly's dad. I know, right? I'm so glad she found us. Tom, you're a keeper. I'm just saying. (laughs) Agreed. Yep. I also love this week's trivia question. Ooh. Oh, yes. Segway. Right. Boom. Just did that. It is, how many muggle lives have the opal necklace in Morgan and Burke's claimed? The prize for the first one who responds with the correct answer and the code word hashtag caution. One word. I like one word. That. I did it for mm-hmm. you. Thanks. We'll get a bitch is a witch, motherfucker's a wizard, a just keep rolling, or a pride sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us. If you are an Apple person, you can do it through the Apple Podcast or iTunes app. If you don't have Apple, you can write us a recommendation on our Facebook page. Then email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know you did, and we will get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. My husband keeps making fun of me for saying apple person, but you're either an apple person or a PC person, and I'm an apple person. I'm a PC person. And in this case, PC does not stand for politically correct. What? Okay, no, you're, you're correct. And also not politically correct. (laughs) But I suppose we could also say an Apple person or an Android person. And in that case, you'd have to say that you're a flip phone person. Hey, I do have an iPod Touch. I'm not sure that sounds any better. It does not. But that does technically make you an Apple person too. But I have a Samsung tablet. Yeah, let's just keep rolling. (laughs) And don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at Just Keep Rolling. Following us on Podbean at justkeeprolling.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. If you would like to support us as a patron for extra perks, you can go to patreon.com slash justkeeprolling. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated. And join us next week when we talk about Chapter 4, At Flourish and Blots, and the corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just just keep keep rolling. rolling.